Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this episode is a snippet out of my book, Mural Money. It's chapter eight, all about pitching. And I just want to share with you a little bit of backstory behind this. The first mural I ever painted was for free and it took me an entire summer to complete. Obviously, procrastination played a big part in that <laughs> alongside using the wrong brushes, really cheap paint, and having no actual idea how to apply the paint or better yet, how to apply it large scale. I learned a lot with that first one. And fast forward to today, this week I'm painting a large mural for a local college the college where I earned my painting degree and I'm charging $5,000 and it will take me a whopping two days in total to complete. Now, there's a little more than 10 years difference between that first project and this one. And I share this to hopefully put it into perspective, the idea that everybody starts from the bottom and sometimes the climb is slow, but always worth it, at least in this case. And I've learned a few painting tips in between then and now, but also how important it is to go after what you want in the form of pitching yourself for the job that you want instead of just waiting for it to come to you. This episode is a bit from my book, Mural Money, and I wrote it last year. And if you like this podcast, I know very much that you will enjoy the audible version of my book too. I explain in great detail how I built my business from that first mural until now and how you can grow yours too. You know, pitching myself to possible customers has played a big part in that journey. And this chapter, I'll share some of those pitching tips with you. So enjoy. Chapter eight. Pitching. If you want to get into murals and start pitching your work around town, as I had, I recommend learning to paint them first, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> start on canvas, then create a mural in your own home or a space where there is no pressure and you can just take your time. My first just for fun mural, many years before I realized I would ever become an actual muralist, was painted in my bathroom. I created an underwater scene full of fish of all different colors. Original, right? <laughs> it took me the entire summer to create that mural because I had no important deadlines. I took my time and painted at my leisure. I don't necessarily recommend taking the entire summer to create one thing, but I do think that there's power in proving to yourself that you can do something before you go asking people to pay you for it. <laughs> That's what this first mural did for me. It proved that I was capable of painting on things other than paper or canvas, and it gave me photos to show others and promote on social media. The next step is to get a few murals under your belt. I highly recommend starting by speaking with someone you already know who owns space with a blank wall. That's how I stepped into public art. As I mentioned previously, we pitched it to a friend and he agreed to let me paint it for free on the side of his business. You know, he had little use for a mural. However, that personal connection is what led me to getting my first yes easily. Although I did not earn money from that mural, it has paid off since simply by being prime advertisement. Do you have a friend or family member who owns a downtown business or something in a prominent location? You know, is there an acquaintance you have that would enjoy having the side of their building painted? If you do, 
I would suggest you start by pitching to that person first. If you do not, I highly encourage you to use your social media network to find a business owner that will be open to having a mural painted on their wall. To add to that, an even better idea is to reach out to a charity or a nonprofit to see if they would be in need of your services. In the beginning, gaining experience and lending a hand to a business that might not be able to afford your art otherwise could be a win-win. Maybe your church could benefit from your need to practice your skills and to build your resume. You never know. Once you find your first mural customer, it is essential for you to make sure you have followed the proper protocols to gain permission to paint. For example, if painting for a business, it's possible that the business owner is not the building owner. Therefore, you may have to speak to the actual building owner to get permission to paint first. Or better yet, have the business owner speak to them on your behalf. Just make sure you give them enough knowledge so they're prepared to answer any questions. But remember, painting without permission is vandalism. I think it's funny that I even have to mention this, but don't go out and paint your first mural on a random wall just because it seems too blank or empty or sad. If you're an aspiring artist, I'm sure you don't want to start off on the wrong foot by accidentally vandalizing someone's property. That would be a good way to end your career before it even starts. So that's my disclaimer here. (laughs) Now that we're past that, you know, I've had a few people put up a fight when it comes to getting permission to paint on the side of the building, but you know, you could always paint over it, right? Use that angle. Sift through your connections before you start reaching out to strangers. And then once you get a little experience under your belt, you can be in contacting businesses and people that you don't know. I learned everything I know about pitching from my husband, who happens to be an extraordinary salesman. Not in a sleazy car salesman way either. He is a chameleon and he knows when to speak up, when to let things slide, and how to speak clearly. My husband Ryan can word a description to make you understand exactly why it would be beneficial for you to buy whatever he is selling, as long as he believes in it. He has the perfect temperament to de-escalate a high-tension moment and rationalize everything down to a simple solution. He works in insurance, by the way. As such, these qualities are ideal for an industry when your customers only call you when something is on fire. Ryan and I first met in passing many years ago through mutual friends, and one day, after exhausting all of my local connections, I made a post on Facebook asking if anyone I knew had an open room for me to rent. I had just started traveling full-time for the outdoor store and was in need of a place to store my things for the majority of the month. I was only home a few days each month, so it didn't make sense for me to have a place of my own. Ryan was one of the first to respond to my post, stating that he had an open spare bedroom and could help me move in that weekend. What a nice guy, right? (laughs) But really, no, we lived together for two years purely as friends. We got along so well, and he was so easy to live with that I was quoted to say many times, I'm never leaving. (laughs) I messed up the roommate friendship agreement one night uh, when I got drunk and kissed him, though. It was all over after that. (laughs) His immediate response was, I'm going to marry you. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little taken back by that at first, but he was right. (laughs) It was barely a year later, and we were engaged. Ryan has worked hard to build his customer base for more years than I have been a full-time artist, which means he is way ahead of me. He also has the freedom to help me out when I need it, thankfully. I'm always telling him, 
I am going to make more money than you one day. Even though we are married and our finances are very much blended, we have a friendly competitive relationship that I love. We are both business-minded entrepreneurs and best friends. That's how we started. Ryan helps make my ideas happen by helping me pitch them in particular. He's also helped me roll paint on the walls every once in a while. And people who are only looking from the outside often thinks that he works for me. And I absolutely love when this happens so much that I I don't even bother to correct them half the time. He loves that game. (laughs) I was being interviewed by the local news station for painting a big public mural one afternoon. And the reporter asked, hey, uh, what role does he play for this? Pointing at Ryan. Without hesitation, Ryan jokingly answers, oh, I just move her ladders. (laughs) The news story came out the next day as quoting Ryan as just that. Ryan Sanders, the ladder mover. (laughs) Humorously proud of that new moniker, but in reality, he's so much more. Also, don't worry, he already knows that he possesses nothing but amazing traits, and it would make his head way too big if I reminded him of this out loud, so let's just keep this between you and me. He's my sales secret weapon. Lucky for you, I can share his sales tactics and how we've molded them to fit the art world in a way that is profitable, but not pushy or misleading. The 15-second pitch. Ryan's first recommendation was for me to keep my pitch short and sweet. There's no need to give them the kitchen sink on the first try. I'd like to introduce you to the 15-second pitch. This is also known as an elevator pitch, which is basically a quick introduction to who you are and what you do. If you're like me, it can be tough to think of answers under pressure when someone asks about your career, right? And even though it's not and actually, a stressful situation, it just feels like someone's pointing the spotlight at me in front of an auditorium. But in reality, it's just a harmless conversation with a stranger. But nonetheless, my brain categorizes that as being under pressure. That's where having a rehearsed 15-second pitch comes in handy. For example, when someone asks me, who are you and what do you do? I'll respond with, my name is Andrea Earhart and I'm an artist. I paint large-scale murals for businesses. That's more of a five-second pitch, but you get the point. I don't say, I paint murals, canvases, make prints, and help teach other artists. Oh, and I also have a podcast. Uh, I love butterflies and clouds and animals and nature and logos and lettering and flowers sometimes. And I'd like to start dabbling more in surrealism. (laughs) After an introduction like that with so many descriptors, that's really everything that I do, though, and things that are on my mind. Yeah, I can only imagine the scattered perception someone might have about my work. You know, it's all true, but it's too much for an initial introduction. You know, it's best to keep it simple at first. The fewer brain calories they need to burn, the better. We'll just get to the point. If they seem interested or want to know more, I'll follow up with something like, I painted for companies like the outdoor store. Have you been inside or noticed the large outdoor murals on the walls? That's what I do. Then if the person is local, I might add, or um, have you seen the, the monarch butterfly wings downtown? I find it easiest to gain credibility if I get them to visualize what it is I can create and if they can recognize it without me having to show them. You know, oftentimes, though, I'll whip out my phone and pull up a photo album labeled art full of my best projects. I'll then hand over my portable portfolio to them to view. I've noticed that the quicker someone can look at an example of my work, the better. When I say I'm an artist, an image of a hobbyist automatically comes to mind for most people, and I want to squash that as soon as possible. Truthfully, 
Ryan is typically much quicker to pull out photos of my art to show people than I am. He has no shame in selling my art and services to anyone who will listen. Jobs have come from the oddest of places simply by striking up a conversation. The waitress, bartender, a stranger sitting next to us at events, all are subject to conversation about art. We are currently scheduled to paint a mural for a restaurant in Cozumel, Mexico, because Ryan made friends with the bartender who recommended us to the owner. I told you, he's my sales secret weapon. Opportunity is everywhere. If you're stuck on how to create your own 15-second pitch, just insert your information into a sentence equation like this. My name is blank, and I'm a blank. I create blank, add descriptor word with or for blank. Then if you have a few seconds left, you can explain why you create and what drives you. Check out these examples of 15-second pitches I've helped other artists create. For one, my name is Melissa and I'm an artist. I create custom realistic portraits of both pets and people. So this is a great one for if you're a portrait artist. Another one. My name is Megan, and I specialize in drawing large animal portraits. My work portrays the animals of the agriculture industry. Very specific. Another one. My name is Lissa, and I'm a full-time professional artist. I paint mostly landscapes, and I specialize in anything nautical. However, I'm always up for a new and exciting challenge. Love that. How much fun is that? See, these are just some examples. Use mine, use Lissa's, Megan's, Melissa's anybody's and just make it your own. You can make it fun or make it as specific as you want. If you found your niche, include that. If you haven't, maybe end it with a, I'm always up for a new and exciting challenge. You can also end it with a question such as, do you have a blank wall in your home or office that needs to be filled? This can start a conversation about the space that they have available and the art they are interested in purchasing. You could add, I create art that attracts new customers to businesses. Most businesses want to attract new customers, so this will pique their interest. If you create photo op art, illustrate for ads, flyers, etc., this could be a great conversation starter. Let's say you want to pitch your idea to a local business. Where do you start? That initial conversation or message to the future customer should say enough to keep them interested while not giving them a whole novel with the first go around. Some people might already have an idea in their head and are just waiting for you to ask. There have been many times that I've pitched to people and have gotten the response, you know, I was just telling my wife how we needed to do something on that big wall over there. Most people can appreciate the aesthetic murals bring to a space, and for those, it's a decently easy sell if you can get the sketch right. However, some businesses are really only interested in one thing, which is the return on investment, ROI. What are they getting out of this? In these cases, ask yourself, how can they make the money back that they are about to give me to paint. This part was easy when it came to pitching photo op murals. Since I had already painted the monarch butterfly wings downtown, I could point them to the success of that piece. Then I could give them an idea of how to recreate it at their own location in a new way. This mural would draw in people like flies. Those flies would then take photo of the murals and post them online, which would spread the word about the business location and attract more flies. People. I, I meant people. It is beneficial if you can show the samples of your work and possible examples of the mural you would like to paint for them. Do this as soon as possible so you can hook them in. Sometimes I'll come prepared with a simple sketch before approaching a business. Other times I'll show them photos from Google just to get ideas started. 
I almost always show photos of my past work just to prove I can paint whatever they want. This is where having a few murals under your belt can come in handy. People who are not artists often have a hard time visualizing abstract ideas for paintings. You, as the artist, can probably imagine your ideas and perhaps where you want to expand on them. However, other people just aren't like that. They need to see detailed photos or very good examples similar to what you want to paint for them. This is where you will earn a yes from your potential customers. Throw photos in their faces. It kind of. <laughs> Remember, you're not bugging anyone to pitching someone an idea that could help them make their space better is helping them. Try reframing your mind around that idea to help yourself not feel so salesy. Helping someone is good. Giving someone a painting that enhances their space is good. You're doing good work. So genuinely believe that you can help them and pitching turns into offering a favor rather than just a sales pitch for a job. If you present your idea and the customer loves what you've come up with, they will likely agree to your price. Check out chapter 23 for a full look at how to price. It's a really good one. But some customers might offer you a trade for their services, such as a gift card, or some might express that they have a small budget. It's up to you if you want to work for free or low cost for your first couple murals. You know, one idea is to make an announcement giving some kind of, I'm just getting started discount for the first few murals you create, and then this will help you achieve experience, and it also gets the word out about your services. Yeah, I don't advise regularly giving anyone any major price breaks past those first few murals. But that's up to you, though. Do you remember that teacher-totter analogy we talked about? Once you put in enough hours of practice and talk to enough people, the time versus money teeter-totter will tilt in your favor. You will then begin to get paid more for your work. But we got to start somewhere to kick over that first domino again, right? There's a time to do free art, and there's a time to do paid art. When you need to practice in the beginning, try focusing on people or businesses who wouldn't necessarily have the funds for art otherwise. You know, I know I'm repeating myself here, but I really believe that nonprofits or charities could benefit the most from having your beginner artwork and help get the word out to their donors. These donors could be potential customers. I've done a number of low-cost murals for the local zoo, and having my art in such high-traffic locations has gained me recognition and exposure. Yes, I traded low-cost murals for exposure. And guess what? It worked. I can feel the critics literally breathing down my neck right now with these suggestions, but hear me out. Sometimes painting for free actually ends up paying off. I'm not saying to go out and paint for free or charge for businesses that can more than afford it and give away your talents in exchange for the hope of being discovered. Let's be smart about it. Painting a mural inside someone's home is not likely to get the views that it needs to gain multiple referrals. However, painting in a public space where people are sure to pass by while you're painting and see your murals could generate the necessary attention to earn more business. In the beginning, you can give the exposure discount to your discretion. This means you would give a greater discount for walls that are placed in high traffic areas. Someone's bedroom, for example, would receive very little to no 
discount or exposure discount since it's in a low traffic area. Presently, I give right around zero discounts, even if the promise of exposure is high. That wasn't the case when I first started painting full-time though. I really just just trying to get the word out there and building up the courage to walk into a business and pitch your idea can be very stressful. Oh gosh, just thinking about it reminds me of all the awkward introverted feelings I had felt during that specific time in my life. This is coming from a girl who was scared to dump her lunch tray in grade school. Come on, <laughs> if anybody wants to make me feel better about this, did you have a strange fear of accidentally spilling your tray outside of the garbage bin and the whole lunchroom staring at you? Because in my head, the fear of leftover square pizza and chocolate pudding hitting the floor, along with the large crash of the hard plastic tray, made me feel uneasy to even walk in that direction. The anxiety of what could go wrong while dumping my tray was very real for me. <laughs> Remember, if I can sell and pitch my art, then you can too. <laughs> Rehearse what you want to say in your head or out loud before you're in front of a customer. There were times when I would get so nervous before walking into an establishment that I would have to take a quick lap around the block to just gather my thoughts. You know, I'd give myself a little pep talk. And once I was ready, my initial introduction sounded something like this. Picture me walking into like a little bar or restaurant downtown. I'd say, hi, my name is Andrea Earhart. I'm a local artist. I see you have a blank wall over there facing the street. I have some ideas for art in that space that I think you might like. Are you the person I should be talking to about this? Or can you point me in the right direction of who is? If you're sending that pitch in an email instead of in person, I highly recommend tailoring it to that business. Compliment them. Give them a sign that you're talking directly to them by referencing something about their business. Never send a cut and paste pitch to anyone through email. I can smell that fake shit from a mile away and so can they. I get multiple pitches to my inbox each week from bots representing companies who want to work with me because of whatever reason. And nobody has time for that. Make your pitch custom. If you're approaching a business in person, well, then it's already custom. And that is what I highly encourage you to do. And you'll find that it's very hard to catch the business owner at the location. If the owner isn't there when you stop by, you'll hopefully get an email or phone number where you can reach them. At the very least, you'll be transferred to a manager where you can further pitch your idea. If you talk them into it, then hopefully they can talk the boss into it. Ryan's rule for pitching is to always end with a question. This is huge. This will help keep you from getting ghosted. When you respond with a price, a design, or if you're just answering their question, return it with a question of your own. You can ask them things like, is this what you were budgeting? Or would you change this design in any way? Asking them questions like this gives them an impulse to message you back. Another way to prevent ghosting is to get a customer on the phone if you can't get them in person. Emails are easy to ignore, but having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a customer lets them know that you're a real person. You can also answer questions immediately and gauge their interest much better. If someone doesn't message you back, then it's perfectly okay to message them again and again and again until they respond, <laughs> especially if they've already expressed interest. People are busy and could use a friendly reminder. I know this part feels like you're bugging them, but I've booked a lot of mural jobs by sending a double email. 
Business owners are exceptionally busy. Like us, they are juggling all the different parts of their business. You and I forget to circle back around sometimes. So do they. (laughs) I know that nobody cares about my art business as much as I do. It's the same for you. We have to be our own advocate. They don't even care about it a fraction amount as I do. It's unrealistic to think that businesses prioritize art over other aspects of their day. Yes, they likely want what we are selling if we present it in a beneficial way. However, they don't necessarily need it all of the time. Art is a luxury. That's just a fact of it. The businesses need walls. They don't need a pretty mural. You know, people who want but don't need things tend not to make it a priority. That's why we have to do it for them. If a future customer doesn't respond to your second email, then wait a week and then send another one. Keep sending frequent emails until you get a definite response that they are not interested. Heck, give them an out by saying something like, hi, I know you're busy, then ask your question again and follow up. You can add, if you're not interested or need to push this project off to another date, just let me know. A good business owner will tell you when they can't prioritize your pitch at the moment. Oftentimes, getting a no comes in the form of a not right now. I've gotten many responses from people expressing that now isn't the right time for them for a mural, but to check back maybe next year. This is perfectly normal. And since we are in it for the long game, it doesn't matter when a customer decides to need our services, does it? No. Feel comfortable knowing that it will happen eventually. I recommend checking back in within that time frame just to keep connected to them just about maybe every six months or every year. You know, keep a list of possible customers for this reason. I keep it in the no section of my phone to refer back to every so often. When you get the answer you're looking for, stop talking. For example, Ryan and I were in Kofi Phi, Thailand, <laughs> researching for the next hashtag Worldwide Wings location, and we stumbled upon a beach bar in a high traffic location. This newly found location had the perfect wall for a photo op. We had been all around the tiny island in search of the perfect photo spot for an hour or more. You know, you wanted something that was a really good wall to paint on and also had a high traffic area. Those two things were essential. We walked up to a man sweeping the beach. Excuse me, we are hoping to paint this style of mural on the wall over there. Do you know where I can find the owner of this bar? We showed him the printed photos of past butterfly murals. He responded in his very Thai accent by saying something like, and I'm not even going to attempt a Thai accent. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I give you permission to paint that. Go for it. I responded back by saying, oh, are you? And then Ryan took my hand and started walking toward the proposed wall. When you get the answer you want, you stop talking, he said. Noted. He helped me paint that blue butterfly and we completed it in just four hours. Ryan also proudly wears the badge of Instagram husband. This means he's fully trained on how to take photos and videos while I paint. Through a lot of trial and error, he has learned how to help me document my creating process and I'm very thankful for it. I use those photos and videos of the butterfly we created that day to help me grow my brand online. Let's pause for just a second to go over a summary of what we've discussed so far, to put it plainly. First, pick up a paintbrush and use it a lot. Second, if you want to become the go-to artist in your area, then either niche down or find an area with little competition to stand out. Find a town that does not have a community mural and create one. People love that shit. Take my idea of the Greetings from Springfield mural. Take it, I don't care. 
This advice is timely for whoever wants to act first. So get out there and pitch yourself. If people see you creating, they will ask you to create for them, but you have to start that first. The next few chapters, we'll talk about how to take your newfound experience and spread it far and wide on social media to attract new customers in new areas. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. Like I mentioned, this was a snippet from my book, Mural Money. I wrote it last year and it's just, it's a full compilation of my art business and how I built it to where it is now, making great money painting murals. But not only that, like if you're not into murals, it's still a great resource. I have so many examples of artists that are not just muralists, that how they have been using social media or just a lot of things to build their business and make money with a paintbrush. So if you're serious about taking your art business seriously this year, I highly recommend going to Audible and purchasing my book. It's really not that much, but really, honestly, for the amount of work I put into that thing, I think I get like $10 every time someone buys it with royalties after I pay so much to Amazon and Audible. So it's really not a huge moneymaker for me, but it's just so packed full of so many tips and stories and examples and all the things. So if you liked this episode, I know you're going to like the book Mural Money. So go over to Audible, purchase it. I'm just going to give you the hard sell here. I'm pitching you this book because I know that it can make a big difference. And it could just, it just fills your ears full of inspiration. And I know that you will enjoy it if you enjoy this podcast at all, if you like listening to my voice at all, because <laughs> I recorded it, it is 15 hours long. It's, it's very long, but like I said, it's very comprehensive. So, okay, that's it. I will see you guys next week. 